listening to the Christchurch Mequon Podcast, where every day we're lifting lives and elevating Christ, a church for those not here yet. For more information and resources, visit our website, ChristchurchMequon.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this relevant message from Pastor Mike Skunas. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to Christ Church. We're a church about lifting lives, elevating Christ, a church for those not here yet, whether you're joining us here in East, joining us over in West, or joining us online. Welcome. Thank you for being a part of Christ Church this morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Nathan. I'm a vicar here at Christ Church, which is a fancy way of saying pastor in training. Next week, we hope to see you back, and then throughout the month of January, we're going to be working through this message series on peace of mind. We're going to look at these characters from the Bible uh, and the struggles they faced in in terms of their mind and mental health and those things. We're going to lean on biblical truth as well as the help of mental health professionals, and so we're really excited for that message series. We hope you see you join us for that, as well as invite someone uh, you know who could use the help in those areas. So please join us and invite someone to join you for that. But today we are talking about some Theology 101 stuff, um, some of the basics of our faith. And if you just break down what Theology 101 means, 101 means obviously the basic level of something, ology, the study of, and then theos, God. So we are looking at the study of God and how we talk about God and what we think about God and how we understand God. That is what theology is. And we're going to look at some of the basics of our faith. We like to do this uh, throughout the year, a couple times a year, just to look at one basic theological concept, uh, because it is so important that we understand the basics. Now, some of you may be sitting in here and thinking, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've been coming to church every week. I think I got the basics down. Surely I'm ready for theology 102, at least, uh, maybe even 201. And I'm sure you are, and there are time and place for that. But Theology 101, the basics of our faith, are still important for you too, because we never outgrow the basics of our faith. If you look at even like professional athletes, right, you can look at a second grade basketball player versus somebody in the NBA. They work on the same things, right? They work on free throws, they work on dribbling, they work on passing, right? You work on the basics. If you watch a second grade team warm up or an NBA team warm up, you see them both doing layup lines, right? It is the same things because the fundamentals, the basics of basketball apply at every level. And the fundamentals and the basics of our faith apply no matter where you are at in your faith journey. And something that's true too is the deeper you go in your theology, the simpler your faith becomes. The more complex and and difficult and confusing that our theology gets, the simpler our faith becomes. And all that is built on these very core principles, these basics of our faith. And it's important to have the basics down because sometimes life gets messy, sometimes life gets complicated, Sometimes life gets really hard to manage. There's sin, there's brokenness, there's pain. And in all of that, it's important to rely on the basics. Because when we have the basics down, it helps us to know how to live and how to view God as a result of it. And so the key question we're going to ask today as we do some Theology 101 is, what does it mean to be a Christian? 
What does it mean to be a Christian? Now, if you look at the word, obviously, there is the Christ part of the word, and we're going to talk about why I have that highlighted in a moment. But if you break down the etymology of the word, you have Christian. Uh, so I-N, that I-N ending meaning of something, right? I am a Mequanian, so I'm of Mequan. Uh, finally got a laugh. I've been waiting on a laugh on that all morning. <laughs> uh, Christian, uh, though, uh, meaning uh, we are of Christ. And we're called to be like Christ and live how Christ lived and do the things that Christ did. And we are Christ followers. We're Christians. We're people who follow Christ's commandments and teachings. And we're Christ uh, disciples. You might hear that phrase. We're disciples of Christ. And so what it means to be a Christian is someone who follows Jesus. And the reason the first part of that word is highlighted is because it is essential to remember this, that Christianity begins with Christ. If you remember nothing else from this morning, remember this, Christianity begins with Christ. Christ Jesus is supposed to be at the forefront of our faith, at the forefront of our theology, and at the forefront of how we live. The fancy theological word we use for this is Christocentric. We are called to be Christocentric. People who put Jesus at the center of everything, of how we live, of how we view God, of how we see the world. Right? Christ is called to be at the center. And the way I like to think about this is through lenses. Right? When we're viewing things in our lives, we're always viewing things through lenses. And they help us focus on things and maybe block out some other things. Right? So if we're viewing things through a Christocentric lens, we're always going to view Christ at the center. And we're going to put other lenses on our faith and our lives. Uh, we're going to put the, our experiences. That'll certainly play a role. We're going to put scripture there. We're going to put reason, right? What makes sense? We're going to put uh, maybe things we've been told, maybe things we've heard pastors say. There's going to be so many lenses that we are going to put on our faith. And it's a good thing to have multiple lenses. But the lens you can never leave out, the lens that has to be first and has to be primary, is Jesus. Through Jesus, we are to view everything. Everything is to be viewed through the lens of Jesus Christ. Now, Christianity begins with Christ, and therefore, how we view the Bible should begin with Christ too. We view the Bible through a Christocentric lens. One of the ways we do this is by looking at the New Testament. Now, this is easy to do because the New Testament is literally and obviously about Jesus, right? If you look at the New Testament as the last 27 books of the Bible, it begins with Matthew, goes to the end of the Bible. Uh, but it is a bunch of sections and different books about Jesus, right? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, which are literally about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Easy to view those books through a Christocentric lens. And then we have like Paul's letters, and he's usually talking about Jesus or theology about Jesus and how he relates to God or who Jesus is. And so it's easy to view those through a Christocentric lens. But what's interesting is we are also called to view the Old Testament through a Christocentric lens too. Now the Old Testament is the first 39 books of the Bible. It starts with Genesis, goes through Malachi, which ends about three, 400 years before the birth of Jesus. Uh, and so we have the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, uh, through a couple hundred years before Jesus walks the earth. And yet that is supposed to be viewed through a Christocentric lens too. And that's more difficult because it's not immediately clear and obvious where Jesus is 
in the Old Testament. After all, we have uh, the Jewish faith that exists in the world, right? And the 39 books of the Old Testament, they call that the Hebrew Bible. That is their scripture. We have more scripture because we have the New Testament that that is the entirety of their scripture. And obviously, they don't believe in Jesus like we believe in Jesus. Because to them, they don't view it through a Christocentric lens. But we are called to. And we get to and we are, we are able to because even Jesus himself and the New Testament writers do so. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But Christianity begins with Christ. We're called to be Christocentric. So what does Christ mean? Where does this Christ word come from? Well, the first place we see it is in John 1.41. Uh, this story takes place right after Jesus first meets Andrew, one of his disciples. And Andrew went to find his brother Simon, who later is called Peter. You might have heard of him and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now, the Old Testament has all of these prophecies that talk about this Messiah, this person who was to come and conquer over the enemies of the Jewish people, to conquer over Israel's enemies. And how the Jewish people interpreted it, especially at Jesus' time, was that there would be this king, this political ruler who would come and conquer over the Jewish people's enemies, which at this time was the Roman Empire. That was their political adversary. The Jewish people were back in the promised land, and yet it wasn't theirs because Rome was really in control. And so they wanted this Messiah to come in and kick out Rome so that they could reclaim the promised land as their own. But Jesus came as the Messiah, but not to be the Messiah to conquer over the political enemies of Israel, but the spiritual ones, namely of sin, death, and the devil. Jesus came as the Messiah to destroy sin, death, and the devil. And in this, he is the Christ, the anointed one. Jesus is the Christ. We hear Jesus referred to as Jesus Christ. It is a shorthand way of saying Jesus the Christ. Uh, Christ is not his last name. It is a title, meaning that he is the Messiah. But we've been talking about how we can view the Old Testament through a Christocentric lens. We do so by reading prophecies in the Old Testament and seeing how Jesus fulfills them. We also do so because John does so. Even in the New Testament, we have examples of this happening. Throughout the month of December, throughout this season of Advent leading up to Christmas, we've been going through John 1. And we've been looking at it from this very Christmas focus. But if you zoom out, you can learn a lot about theology from it too and get a bigger picture from it. And John 1.1 says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what do we know about the Word? The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, John is playing off of Genesis 1.1. He's viewing the first verse in the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and doing so through a Christocentric lens, because Jesus is the Word. Now, when we talk about the Word of God, it's a phrase we hear a lot, even today. You might even hear someone say, oh, the word of God says this. And when they say that, they're usually referring to the Bible. And the Bible, of course, is the word of God. But it's a specific kind of the word of God, and that is the written word. 
And today we have the written word, and it's wonderful. It contains the promises of God. It contains ways those promises are fulfilled. So it encourages us, it teaches us, it guides us. It's an amazing thing that we have the written word of God. But Jesus is an even better version of the word of God because Jesus is the living word of God. Jesus is the enfleshment of God's promises. Right, in Christmas, we celebrate this incarnation, God becoming flesh, God becoming human. And in doing so, God's promises become enfleshed too. We have a tangible example in Jesus of God's promises. So Jesus is the word. In the beginning, the word already existed. So Jesus has existed from the beginning. He wasn't created in the year zero. He didn't come to be when he was born. No, he had existed for all of time since the beginning. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus is both distinct from God the Father, but he is God himself. Jesus is God. But Jesus isn't just God. Jesus is human Two. John goes on to say, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, the enfleshed promises of God. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus isn't just God, but Jesus is also human. Jesus is God and Jesus is human. And here we come to a fundamental, a key aspect of our faith. And that is that Jesus is fully God and fully human. So many people throughout history, in church history, there was fights about this, there was debates, there was councils. Some of the creeds we say are a direct result of coming to this understanding of who Jesus is, that he is fully God and fully human. And so many people have gotten it wrong. So many people have gone wrong in their basics of their faith and their theology 101 and built their faith off this bad foundation of not understanding that Jesus is fully God and fully human. Instead, they'll say something like, oh, Jesus is God and human, so he's 50% God and 50% human. And of course, that makes sense, right? That adds up to 100%. That's how math works. But no, we wouldn't say that. We would say Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. Other people have gone wrong by emphasizing the divinity of Jesus, but not quite the humanity, right? Oh, he is God, and he's kind of human, but he's still God, right? And he's kind of a human. He's pretending to be human. He's sort of human. Or they'll go the other way, and they'll emphasize the, the humanity, but not the divinity. They'll say, oh, he was a created human, or he was, uh, he was kind of God. He's more like an angel, but like above an angel, but not quite God, or he's a demigod, right? People have gone wrong in a number of ways, but it is vital to understand that Jesus is fully God and he is fully human. And here's why. Because if Jesus is not fully God, well, then we cannot fully trust his promises. He makes promises, he teaches us, he does things, and for us to fully trust him, we have to fully know that he is fully God. And if he's not fully God, well, then he could not have possibly lived the sinless life that he did. And if he doesn't live a sinless life, well, then he can't atone for us for our sins on the cross. But he has to be fully human too, because if he's not fully human, well, then he can't really die. He didn't really live 
a life as a human if he wasn't fully human. Right? It's why he was born as a baby. Sure, God could have came as an adult, but then if you are born into the world as an adult, you're not really human. You're not human in the way the rest of us are human. And most importantly, if you're not fully human, you can't fully die like the rest of us can die. And so he has to be fully God and he has to be fully human. One of the really cool things about Christianity, about our faith, is that we serve a God who knows what it's like to be us. And if he's not fully human, well, then he doesn't actually know what it's like to be us. And so Jesus is fully God and fully human. Now you might be thinking, I'm still confused. This is still a confusing thing to understand. And that's okay. That's true. But if you understand this, it can help you understand other aspects of our faith too. Because understanding that we can have this thinking where two things can be true at once is a key aspect of multiple theological points in our faith. So Jesus is both God and he's human. This both and thinking. It also comes into play in the Trinity, which we're not going to talk too much about today. But we believe that there are both three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and yet there is one God. These are confusing topics. Jesus is both God and human. It's hard to understand, but it is vital to understand these things because it is the foundation of our faith. Understanding who Jesus is is the foundation of our faith. And so Christianity begins with Christ. And therefore, the Christian faith, how we live, what we believe, begins with the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Our faith is built on who Jesus was and how he lived. If you look at Jesus himself as this God-man, as this fully God, fully human, you can look at him and see that he is where God and humanity meet. He is this distinct place where God and humanity meet. Only in Jesus do we really have this, this true meaning of God and humans. Only through Jesus can we, despite our sin, despite our separation of God, from God due to our sin, be reconciled back to God. And our faith can be tricky because we believe in this God that we can't see, that we don't understand completely, that is everywhere all the time and knows our thoughts. It's really hard to comprehend God. But Jesus is easier to comprehend because we can understand who a human is. And so in Jesus, we have where God and humanity meet. And one of the things Jesus says is this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. No one can come to the Father. No one can come to faith. No one can come to being a Christian except through Jesus. And what this means is that we cannot earn our salvation. And this is good news. It is good news that we can't earn our salvation. Because if we could earn it, well, we would actually all fall short of it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us 
can achieve salvation on our own merit. It is good news that we cannot earn salvation, and yet it's hard news, because as humans, we like achieving things. We like earning things. We like having the checklist and knowing, oh, if I do this, this, and this, well, then I get into heaven, right? That sounds like a good thing. But if that was the checklist, we wouldn't fulfill it, and therefore none of us would earn salvation. So it is good news. You cannot earn your salvation. It is only by grace through faith that you have been saved. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You've been saved by grace through your faith, not by what you have done. Only as a gift from God And that gift is in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do good things. In fact, you should. We should both know that we can't earn our salvation by doing good things, and yet we should do good things. Because in the most famous verse in the Bible about works not resulting in salvation, the very next verse says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God created you, new in Christ Jesus, to do good things. We are called to do good things, not because it earns us salvation, not in order to get into heaven, but because that's what we do as Christians. As people living a Christian life, as Christ followers, we put Jesus at the center of our lives and live as he has taught us to live, and do the things he has prepared for us to do. And so, no, we don't get into heaven by coming to church and worshiping once a week. We don't get into heaven by inviting people to join you in worship. We hope you do. You don't earn your salvation by serving here at church or serving out in the community. You don't earn your salvation by giving, right? We talk about radical generosity all the time. We hope you do it. It's an amazing thing to do. We are thankful for your generosity. And yet you don't earn salvation that way. You don't earn salvation by resting in God and spending time in the Bible and doing prayer. You don't earn salvation that way. And yet these are all good things to do as followers of Jesus, as people who put Jesus at the center of your life. Because Christianity begins with Christ. Because the Christian faith begins with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You can know that Jesus lived for you, Jesus died for you, and Jesus rose for you. If you look at Jesus' life, Jesus is God. A God who chose to become human, to humble himself, to enter into the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of your life and become like you. Yes, to teach you. Yes, to do some cool things on earth. Yes, to do miracles. Yes, to heal people. But most importantly, he became human so that he could die for you. So that the punishment you deserved, the sins you have committed, could be atoned for. So that he could die on a cross and put your sin, your shame, your brokenness to death. But that God that God who lived for you, that God who died for you, that God is powerful enough to conquer over death itself for you too. So that when Jesus rose from the the grave, we can know that when we die, we too will be resurrected with him. Jesus lived for you. 
Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. And because of this, because of what Jesus has done for you, you can put him at the center. So let us, as Christians, as Christ followers, as the people of Christ church, let us put Jesus, let us put Christ at the center of our theology. Let's put Jesus at the center of our faith. And let us put Jesus at the center of our lives. Let's pray. Gracious God, almighty Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for all you have done, that Jesus, you chose to enter into the brokenness, the darkness, the pain, the suffering that exists in this world to become like us, to teach us, to guide us, to show us how to live, and most importantly, to die for us so that we know that our sins are forgiven, that you love us, that you care for us. And God, we have faith too that you are powerful enough to conquer over sin, over death, over the devil, so that when we die, we know that we too can be resurrected like you were, Jesus. Jesus, help us to live in this hope. Help us to spur us on to live as Christians, as Christ followers, as people who put you in the center of our lives so that we do the things that you have prepared for us to do, not to earn salvation, but as a result of the salvation that you have freely gifted to us. Jesus, help, our, help your light shine through us so that others might see what we do and glorify you as a result. Jesus, we love you. Pray these things in your holy and precious name. The name Jesus the Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Christchurch Mequon podcast. Find your next step and let us know how we can be praying for you at Christchurchmequon.life slash podcast. Hit that subscribe button and until next week, God bless.